Hello, welcome to another episode of the Project Purple Podcast. I'm Dito Varley, founder and CEO of Project Purple. And we have another interview for you coming up with a very special guest today after a few quick updates. We are rolling through 2023. Many of our fall marathon races in Chicago, New York City are full, but we still have spots in our Berlin, our Twin Cities and Detroit, along with many half marathons like our Chicago Spring Half, uh, which is coming up here soon in our Chicago Fall Half Marathon, along with a newly added South Norwalk Half Marathon and 5K. If you're interested in getting involved, make sure to check out our website at projectpurple.org. For those locally, we are excited. We just launched our Over the Edge platform, which is our urban repelling. We have one event coming up in September in Hartford, and we also have another event coming up in Lincoln, Nebraska in late August. We also have our virtual events. So if you can't make it to one of our physical in-person events, please to check out our website. We've got our Dino's Double coming up in mid-June, along with our Work Harder coming up later in the summer. For more details on all things Project Purple, from our virtual events to our run events to our urban repelling, make sure to check out our website at projectpurple.org and follow us on social, wherever you are on social, to stay updated on all the latest and greatest on Project Purple. Without further ado, let's meet our special guest today, coming to us all the way from North Carolina, from Camp Lejeune, pancreatic cancer survivor, fighter, LeBron Manning. LeBron, welcome to the Project Purple podcast. Thanks for the invite. So I know we were talking quite a bit before we hit record, just getting to know each other. Um, I say a lot of sayings here in the podcast, and one of them is like full disclosure, but I'm not going to say that here. You and I, I always just say like full disclosure, like LeBron and I met each other on social media, which we did. Um, and I always like to look at the positives of things. And I know sometimes social media can be very negative. Uh, I like to find the positives in it. And one of the things that it's been really positive for me over the, the years is to connect with people fighting this thing called pancreatic cancer. And that's how you and I met on Instagram. I saw you come up, I DM'd you, you replied right away. And um, I was like, hey, I'd love to have you come on the podcast and share your story. Before we hit record here, you and I were, were just talking and, and your stories, I, I, I can't wait to get into this. And, and you know, first of all, I know we're gonna get into this when I, when I hand the mic over to you, but I just wanna say, uh, it's pretty special. I, I'm looking back. I mean, we've had people from law enforcement um, come on the podcast to talk about their journey, but I don't think we've ever had an active duty um, military personnel on the podcast. So you're the first for that, but I want to thank you for your service because you're now 27 years in with the Marine Corps and um, you know everything that's happening in our world today I think sometimes we just got to take a step back and realize like why we're here are because of guys like yourself, whether, you know, here, overseas, around the world, fighting for our freedom and all the freedoms we have. So thank you for all the sacrifice and thank you to your wife uh, for allowing you to do this because uh, she's a big part of this as well uh, for allowing us to have what we have. So thank you for all you've done over the last 27 years of your, of your career in, in the military. Thank you. Thank you very much. So with that, uh, and we just teased it a bit here, a little bit about your background. But as I said before we hit record, our first part of the podcast is always our guest opportunity to kind of share their background. 
you're a pancreatic cancer survivor, fighter, you're in the military, but there's a lot of in between there uh, that we'd love to hear and love to share. So here's your opportunity to share with our audience kind of your background and, and how you got to this point where you're on the Project Purple podcast. So with that, the microphone is yours. And as I said, before we hit record, you can uh, you can go as far back as you want, or you can say as high level as you want. With that, the microphone is yours, LeBron. All right. Appreciate it. Uh, pretty simple. Uh, born in Alabama, um, raised in Germany until I was about 10. Dad was in the Army, so I was an Army brat. I uh, came back to Alabama around 88, 89, graduated high school in 96, immediately after joined the Marine Corps. Uh, and I've been doing the Marine Corps thing ever since. A uh, couple deployments to um, overseas, Iraq, Afghanistan, Somalia, uh, places like that. And now we're we're at the at the tail end of my career, the wife and I, uh, trying to retire. Um, uh, and that's that's kind of where we're at. That's that's kind of my background. And even though I was born in Alabama, I'm a Georgia fan. So <laughs> go dogs, always. <laughs> Can't say that. I can't that. No, 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 no. I'm only playing. We, have, we, yeah. we. Hey, we support everyone. We, we know though. Like, so you said Georgia, which is okay. I think if you said Auburn, then maybe it'd be a little bit different, right? Like, because then, like, I don't know. <laughs> I, know <laughs> I know that in-state rivalry gets as heated as those out-of-state rivalries. Oh, so, sure I, does. I, sure I don't does. know which is worse though, LeBron, because I don't know if like being from Alabama, if you're a Georgia fan. Or being from Alabama and you're not an Alabama Crimson Tide fan and you're an Auburn fan. I don't know. I don't know which is worse. I think it's if you're from Alabama and you're not an Alabama fan, that's they, they shun you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They shun yeah. you. Yeah, so, very true. Very true. Uh, but that's that's kind of my background. Uh, I've been married to my beautiful wife for eight years now, and who last uh, couple weeks, last couple months, been a rock. Uh, taking care of me through our journey. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, that's the background. Um, and so when did you start to? And I know before we hit record, you said like cancer was is foreign to you, you've never had there's been no family history. I mean, if you're a career military, you've got to keep a high standard of physical fitness. So, you know, it's not like you get that freshman 15 or the fresh, you know, sophomore, right. sophomore 20, like, and especially if you're being deployed and you're at, and I know we talked a little bit off, like the jobs you were doing, you know, you had to be in, in prime physical shape. So when did you start to kind of see like, Hey, something, something's up here, like something under the hood's not right. So that's that's there was really no pointers or, or no anything. Um, the wife and I were doing a little pre-vacation type thing, and uh, we decided to surprise a family here. Um, real real good friends of ours. Um, their daughter was having a birthday, and we wanted to uh, surprise her for her birthday. So we we ended our vacation early to come up here to surprise her, um, and. Uh, you know, I ate too much, wasn't hydrated. Uh, so I was having some uh, what we thought was kidney stones or, or some kind of stomach problem. Um, and that went on for about a week until I finally said, OK, I need to go get checked out. 
um, and uh, went to the ER. Um, and they did a CT scan and said, hey, your your kidneys are fine. Your stomach's fine. There's no issues. But uh, you have a, a a mass in your pancreas. So, okay, what do I need? Do I need a shot? Do I need a pill? Like, no, you need... You need to get tested for uh for cancer. And of course, you know, uh <laughs> no, it's it's not cancer. But okay, you know, we'll get checked out. Um, and then over I think a week time frame, uh working working with some folks, we got me up to uh UNC up in Chapel Hill, and they did all the biopsies and all the tests. And that was like April 10th, 11th, and 12th. And then April 14th, I got the diagnosis. From um, that testing. From that testing. Uh, stage four pancreatic cancer, uh, 10 o'clock in the morning on the 14th. And uh, we've been fighting it ever since. So I, I just want to back up here. We, you, you had the kidney, you said like kidney stone. So was it an abdominal pain or was there like any difference in like, I know sometimes people come on and they're like, Hey, like my urine was dark. My stool was a weird color. None of that. It's just this like weird abdominal pain just, that just prolonged. It just, uh, it was a, a, a one time. It was, it was over two days. It was a Thursday and a Friday when I, when I had the pains. Um, and Friday, it got to the point where I was like, okay, it's, 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 Time to go to the ER. Yeah. Um, and then since then, the, the, I've had no pains. Um, uh, I've had some stomach issues uh, due to some medications and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but after that initial time at the ER on April 7th, I've, I hadn't had, haven't had any more pains. Like, it's just so, so weird how two days of pain, I get the initial, you know, possible diagnosis. Um, and then all the pain goes away. No issues, no problems. So and then two, over the next week, you know, the actual here's your diagnosis. Uh, so it was it was really weird uh, how I got into the ER and how I got diagnosed. So I, with all your deployments, like that's not comfortable to do. I mean, traveling, everything you're doing, the training. Um, so this had to be pretty bad though. I got to imagine though, LeBron to, to like raise the red flag for you though. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, it, it was, like I said, it was just, it was so just awkward how the, the pain happened and I was like, okay, it's, it's, I need to get this checked out. But of course, you know, pancreatic cancer never crossed my mind. Yeah. Um, you know, Possibly maybe constipated, uh, kidney stones, something like yeah. that. Um, and then the ER doctor was like, nope, your kidneys are fine. Um, but you do have a, a was it a four millimeter or four centimeter uh, mass in the tail of your pancreas and spots on your liver? Um, he said it's, it's possibly pancreatic cancer. And I was like, yeah, no, I can't be. Uh, but then over the next week getting, you know, the biopsies and whatnot it's it's that's that's what it was so and so the pain's gone away yep. no pain you're you're doing chemotherapy just i mean you're you're in there 
your first month of chemo here. Mm-hmm. And are you two cycles in? Two cycles in. I'm actually, I'm currently on my second cycle right now. Yeah, you got the pump going. And I saw that before. Okay. So hindsight's always 2020. Other than, I know we, we're going to talk about this, but like the exposure and stuff like that. From a physical standpoint, pain, digestion. And I, when I say digestion, meaning food going in, food going out. Hindsight being 2020, was there ever a time in the last, let's say, five years where, hey, for like two days, like, uh, you know, I had that bad GI episode, man. And like, it just, you know, we thought it was the tacos from the mess hall or the tacos from the night before. I shouldn't say tacos, the food, because uh, I like tacos. Uh, so, yeah, so we're not going to offend tacos, but just the food from the mess hall or the food from that bar or that restaurant just eh, just didn't sit well with me, man. Is there ever, or maybe it was like, oh, dude, man, my back, like my lower back, man, maybe I wrenched it, like trying to pick up that weight or, you know, working out or running or, you know, we're, we're, we're doing a drill or something, or maybe you're not doing a drill, you're actually working and, you know, you just moved the wrong way and just pull something and just thought that was it. Or maybe you thought you pulled something, but not really necessarily pulled something. Yeah. So, so hindsight, um, you're absolutely correct. I, I look at, at what the symptoms are for pancreatic cancer, right? And I look over the last two years, um, I can go back two years and go, yeah, I had that. I, I, my lower back has been hurting for years. Um, and I thought it was because I was just getting older, you know, because I got, you know, uh, you know, some other back issues I've got, um, and then stomach issues that that's, it comes from going out to training and, and eating some of the, you know, pre-made food for us that comes in little baggies, right? The MREs. Um, yeah. The MREs, uh, mills refusing to exit. Um, so, you know, the, the last two years specifically, uh, hindsight. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I had, I had the back pain. I I had the lower abdominal pain. Um, so, you know, it kind of is what it is now, but that's not the first thing you think about when your back hurts or we don't have to go to the bathroom, you know, it's not, Hey, let me go get, get scanned for this or scanned for that. Um, but yeah, hindsight, yeah, two years ago, I, I probably, if I'd have got, you know, screened two years ago, we probably caught it way early, but you know, yeah, and, 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 I mean, yeah, and I don't, I don't ask that question for that, so please don't feel that way. Oh, I no, mean, you know, this, this is like the stress of like, hey man, though, if we had a blood test like PSA, right, like prostate cancer, or if there was something less evasive than a colonoscopy, right? When we, when we know these symptoms, then it could be easy like that. Right. Or, you know, unfortunately it's not like breast cancer where, you know, we can feel that lump on our chest and go, Oh shit, like something's up here. Right. Like uh, right. That, that wasn't there the night before. It wasn't there the month before, like, let's get that checked or other cancers that have those tumors on the outside that you can feel and touch. And you can say, uh, I want to get this checked out right away versus kind of just, you know, and, and that's like, we, you know, it's often called the silent, sim- silent symptoms, right? Because, you know, your point, man, you're traveling, you're working, you know, back pain, like anyone who spent more than like four hours on a plane is going to have lower back pain. 
like sitting in a plane, right? And now you're getting deployed overseas, like those long haul trips. And, and, you know, I'm not here to, to, you know, it's not like you guys are sitting in uh, Delta one suites when you're going over. And so, you know, it's, it's not the most comfortable, but you're doing it. It's your job. Right. So that's where I think that's the other thing that, you know, it, it's easy. As I said, hindsight's always going to be 2020, but in that moment, but that's where I think, you know, this awareness, you know, when we talk about awareness and sharing stories, you know, um, you know, this is really critical why we've got to get to early detection in this space, because these things do matter. But if we had diagnostics that made it really easy to diagnose this in an early detection process, uh, it would be revolutionary and game changing. Yes, sir. Um, well, it, the Marine Corps, what we do every year, um, every Marine has to do a, a, uh, it's a, a yearly health assessment. Um, and it's, uh, we go, we have to go online first and, and, you know, answer a bunch of questions about, uh, you know, health and mental health, substance abuse, alcoholism, things like that. You know, right. And then that goes to our providers, the, the providers look it over, um, and then they sit down and, and do an assessment with us to, to see how we're doing not only physically, but mentally. Right. Um, and we also do blood tests and, you know, things every year um, to check for things, to, to check for certain cancers, whatever. Of course, like we talked about, pancreatic cancer doesn't doesn't have a blood marker. So it's not one of those, you know, you, you can't get tested for that. It's a special test. Um, but uh, and, and this this comes back to our deployments. So in the health assessments, the couple of questions ask us, have we been deployed overseas to areas where they have burn pits? Um, and now with what Congress is doing with the PACT Act, um, with the burn pit registry, um, I, I'm I'm actually working with my current unit right now uh, to try and put in place to, if there's, if guys hit yes on certain questions, um, bring them in for not only the regular cancer tests and markers, uh, but possibly start, you know, maybe start with the ultrasound um, to see if they can see anything or uh, ask, ask the questions about the symptoms we talked about. And then if they have those kind of symptoms, okay, well, let's get you in for a, a quick CT scan just to make sure. Um, but like anything else, all that costs money. So, you know, try to get the allocation for funds for all these tests. Um, but working with them right now to get something started for early detection, something as early as coming in for an ultrasound. Um, I, I'm, I've done some research and it may not be able to pick up the full picture, but it can pick up shadows. And mm -hmm. if, if they see something irregular on an ultrasound, then that may trigger the, okay, let's go get a CT scan just to make sure. And that can be an early detection tool for the guys who are currently on active duty. Um, that way we're not waiting until the guys retire or get out. And now they're five, six years down the road and they have really bad symptoms. And now they're in, you know, advanced stage four to where you don't have too much time except let's just make you comfortable type of thing. So um, those are some of the things that I'm trying to do with my unit right now to work with and get started for 
early detection for the guys who have been deployed multiple times overseas. And for our audience, I just want to, so the PACT Act, for those that don't know, so PACT Act is a new law that expands, and I'm just reading this from the, the VA website. So it's a new law that expands VA healthcare benefits for veterans exposed to burn pits, Agent Orange, and other toxic substances. So uh, PACT Act adds to the list of health conditions that we assume or presume are caused by exposure to these substances. This law helps us provide generations of veterans and their survivors with care and benefits they earn and deserve. So how does the PACT Act, um, how will it affect my VA benefits and care? PACT Act is perhaps the largest healthcare and benefit expansion in VA history. Uh, full name of the law is Sergeant First Class uh, Health Robinson honoring our promise to address comprehensive toxics, which is PACT, uh, SFC PACT Act. So what it brings is changes, it expands and it, uh, extends eligibility for VA healthcare for veterans with toxic exposure and veterans of Vietnam, Gulf War, and post 9-11 eras. Adds 20 or more presumptive con conditions uh, for burn pits, Agent Orange, and other toxic exposure. Adds more presumptive exposure locations for Agent Orange and radiation, Agent Orange and radiation. Requires VA to provide a toxic exposure screening to every veteran enrolled in VA healthcare. Helps us improve research, staff education, and treatment related to toxic exposures. Um, so this is all brand new, though, right? This is just happening as we as we speak. And so, as I mentioned before, um, you know, it, it, it's amazing that now we're actually we're actually able, you know, that, that the government is putting money towards this to help the guys that you know went over there and, and provided all these liberties for us. And I'm not, I don't want to go down the road of like, did anyone know? The fact is that they're helping, right? And that that's the biggest key right now is, is you know, that they're helping this. And so for those veterans listening, there's information on the VA website. I know there's a lot of organizations that are helping navigate this system as well, because there is some navigation involved. Uh, but it is critical to your point, LeBron, that that we make people aware of this, right? That that if you were exposed to these burn pits and, and this exposure through deployments and everything, there are resources available and the government now is acting and, and in fact, providing assistance. You just got to make sure people know that it's out there. Right. Yes, sir. Let me ask you this question, LeBron. So, you know, given, and, and maybe not to go into like specific dates and times, but with your service though, being over there, like you were exposed to these burn pits, right? Like you were doing things and, and, you know, naturally the, these, these things now that are covered under the act are, were, were, were exposed to you on your deployments. Yes, sir. Uh, you know, yeah, not getting into, into too much of it, but the, some of the things that, uh, where we're at, um, these burn pits are everywhere and yeah. anything and everything they could throw in them, they threw in them. And then, uh, you know, we had to monitor them to make sure they didn't get out of control or, or whatever. So I spent spent quite quite a few hours uh, and times around these things and um, never really thought nothing about it until now. Um, but, yeah, they're they're uh, quite a quite a few. So one, two, like three, three tours worth um, out around burn pits. Um, and, and I know. You know Sorry, no, I was just going to say, like, I, so I had a friend in law enforcement um, and he's had some health issues. But I, I guess for me, the experience is like 9-11. When 9-11 occurred here in our part of the country, 
my buddy who was in law enforcement, like he got on the train and went down to New York city and was just on the pile. Right. Like he, and you know, at the time, like no one, no one was telling those guys to wear respirators, you know, even the guys that, you know, went in that day, you know, that survived, like, you know, the stuff they inhaled and, you know, now they, they you know, nine 11, they look back and, you know, probably wasn't the best thing to have, you know, first responders just out there on the pile digging through rubble, um, you know, without having, you know, proper respiration, you know, in terms of what was being inhaled and, and what people were exposed to. Yeah, but you know, when when you're doing those things, that's not the first thing that you think of, right? That's not uh, you think of the mission and and what has to be done. Yeah. Um, any any future consequences to yourself or um, medical conditions? That's that's the furthest from our minds as first responders. Because um, I was a uh, a police officer in the Marine Corps as well, so that's that's not that's not the first thing you think of. The, the first thing you think of is I need to do this. This is what, this is the mission. This is what has to be done. Um, so that's, that's our mindset and you go do what needs to be done. Um, not thinking about future consequences, but then, you know, when the future gets here, you go, aha, yeah, yeah. maybe I should have done that. Um, yeah. and with what happened in the past and what I think the new laws and, and rules and regulations that we have now uh, is going to help future generations because now we know a little bit more about what could happen to you. So yeah. uh, I know some of our regulations have changed as first responders and, and officers in the Marine Corps. And, and if you go to a situation, we're now required to carry our personal protective equipment, our PPE. And if you're around anything that's got chemicals, you put it on and you wear it. So it's, um, we didn't think about it back then, um, but all the all the health issues that are coming out of what happened is now setting a new precedent for the future guys to, you know, take better care of themselves. Yeah, and hearing you say that, I mean, to begin with, though, most people, and I'm not going to assume here for everyone, but it's like this self, your selfless duty right? Like it's not about you. It's about that mission. It's about the country. So whatever we have to do and, and similar to my buddy that day, like he went down because he felt this sense of selflessness to help, to try to find, you know, NYPD, you know, survivors it didn't really matter who, you know, but that's who he is. That's, that's his job. And, you know, I mean, the last couple of years here in the United States, it's been kind of a, a funny situation with how we we treat uh, our military, um, our police, you know, fire, you know, these people. And, and I'm not here to debate that. Uh, my point is here is like there's a lot of selflessness that people put on the line and the sacrifices that uh, you and others um, in that line of profession have taken. Um, you just don't think about that, right? Like you're not thinking about, to your point, it's not like, Hey, we have a mission. We're going in to do the mission. You weren't thinking about those other things. Yeah. You don't, it's, that's the furthest thing from your mind. It's what, what's the mission? What's the, what, what do you got to, what has to get accomplished and how can we get it accomplished? And, you know, the, the safest, fastest means to uh, provide safety and security for those around us. Um, and then you just go with it 
and then you kind of deal with the the personal ramifications, you know, health issues, whatever, after the fact. And it, it's just, you know, how how we're trained and, and what we're trained to do is to to do this first. Let me help you and then take care of me. Um, so what, with that, though, like I said earlier, what we've done or what has happened in the past is now brought us to a point now to where now we're we have the proper PPE to go in and it's part of your gear set when you go on a mission. That way you have it so you're not having to worry about as much of uh the future as you know we did, you know, then. Because hindsight, like we talked about earlier, if I had worn respirators or if I had worn this, worn that, you know, a whole bunch of what ifs that you know, if you Always go down that easy, rabbit hole, yeah. it's 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 not it's not good. So um so yeah, it's kind of where we're at. So I, I got a couple questions here for you. And so now you're in through your second treatment. The first treatment's been how, how, how any side effects? How are you feeling? I mean, I know it's it's still early um, on. So I I when I'm going through the treatment, it feels like I have the flu uh-huh. without the fever. Right. So it's the the body aches, the uh just exhausted. Uh, it, it's hard to walk from here to pass my driveway without just being tired. Uh, trying to find ways to sleep with the take-home machine when it's hooked up to the pump yeah. and trying to get comfortable. Um, and it's not really nausea, but you just don't want to eat. Um, uh, I'm getting better at it. Uh, I think the the first session. I don't think I ate for three days. So I just didn't feel like it. Um, but today I've, you know, today I'm on my on day number two. Um, and I've I've had some food, so I, I feel a little bit better. Uh, but it still feels like I I have the flu without the fever, just tired and achy and uh you know, trying to take naps where you can and and mm-hmm. sleep where you can. And you know, the my wife has been phenomenal. Uh I'll be on the couch and I'll say, Hey, I, I'm I'm a little hungry. And she whips up all these things and gives me choices. Um, so she's 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 phenomenal. She's 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 my rock. Um, question here: Twenty-seven years is a long time in the military, and you know the discipline. Like you said, every year you got to do the health assessment. Your active duty, your on deployments, the training, you're you're constantly the the, the structure, the regimen. I know this is early because it's you know we're we're like almost two months in here on this. Has the thought crossed your mind though, like the last twenty seven years, that discipline, structure, your deployments, it's hard stuff. Do you think that's prepared you a little bit for this fight and how oh, you've handled certain things? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, this is where I'm probably going to get emotional, but, um, oh yeah, it's, it's the, the discipline to one, to wake up in the morning and to look in the mirror and go one more day, one more day. Um, 
getting to the clinic and, and being as upbeat as you can uh, to sit in a chair for five, six hours for the initial treatment and then getting the take home pump and, and how you got to keep it situated. And um, it's definitely a mindset that you have to have. You have to be willing and ready to fight um, because you, you're literally fighting for your life right now. Um, and, and anyone who has gone through it or will go through it knows that. Um, so there has to be a level of discipline to be able to get up in the morning and look at yourself and your family and say, one more day. Uh, so 27 years has definitely prepared me for it, physically prepared me for it. Uh, I don't think you're ever emotionally prepared for it. Um, at least in the beginning, right? You're not emotionally ready to hear that you have this. Mm -hmm. um, but with friends and family and support over time, it, you emotionally get better um, and, and it emotionally gets stronger. Uh, but to start with, for the physical side of it, yeah, 27 years has definitely helped prepare me for the fight that I'm in for. Um, so, yeah. Definitely ready for it. And I, and I also have to imagine, um, you know, going on deployment, and I think we mentioned this maybe before we hit record or, you know, early on, like you're, you're going to Iraq, you're going to Afghanistan, man. So that, that sense of like, Hey, I may not come home was very real and something mm -hmm. that you had to deal with from a mental aspect. Now you're fighting cancer, you're home, but there's also a reality here, right? We know what the reality is. So mentally, I go back to, to every every deployment. Like, okay, as soon as our boots hit the sand, I may not come home. Um, so you 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 do your will, uh, you you write your letters to your loved ones, you know, just in case. Um, so I'm mentally prepared for that not so much emotionally but mentally prepared for it uh and i'm a planner right so we're looking at my wife and i are looking at these next six months as a deployment like i'm at home but i'm on a deployment so mentally we're well, i'd say me mentally i'm i'm well while i'm not okay with it but I'm mentally prepared with it that at some point this is going to get me. Um, not so much emotionally prepared, but mentally, you know, because it's they are two different things. Yeah. Um, so now it's writing letters to loved ones. And uh, I do videos to post on my social media about what I'm going through, which is I think that's how how we yeah. you know, how we connected. Um so I'm I'm mentally doing the same things I've done on every one of my deployments, just in case. Um, and I guess I'm lucky to have had that experience with my deployments. So I'm I'm a little more mentally prepared for these kind of things. Um, so I'm just we are we are looking at this as one more deployment, and I'm either coming home or I'm not.
Um, but we are preparing as best we can. And well, as, as my wife says, hunker down one more day. It's pretty powerful. And, and the reason I brought those questions up, LeBron, because I have a unique position. I'm here listening, taking notes, and I often see with guests, and this is not a religious talk, but you know, I believe in God and uh, believe in a higher mm-hmm. being. I, I don't go to church every Sunday as I used to. Um, there's reasons for that, but whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. and, and I don't hate on people. I don't, you know, I, I think faith is important, uh, regardless of who you believe in or what you believe in. And I do feel, though, that I've seen that people have gone through experiences in their life, major tragedy early on, or major struggle, or have just gone down a path that has prepared them for this fight. And by looking at my notes and hearing this conversation, as we said before we record, we don't know each other. We're just meeting at a, at a shop, just talking, right, for the first time. It's kind of fascinating for me knowing what I know about this disease, but then hearing you speak, and, I, and I'll tell you this, man, like you can go back and listen to every survivor we've had on this podcast and the mental game is as important or most important than the physical game in this fight. And to know that you're already there with that. And I'm not hating on anyone. I'm not trying to throw shade on anyone or say anyone's, you know, but I'm just from what my experiences and from hearing you talk, you know, having that mental focus or power attitude, whatever word you want to use, but being there is so important. I I don't think emotionally anyone's ever going to be there. That's something I've seen in 13 years, man. You know, I've never seen anyone emotionally ready oh, no. <laughs> uh, on either end of the spectrum, right? But the mental piece is so important, man. So I, I what you just said, you know, and, and how you relate this to that deployment is just so freaking powerful, man. So thank you for sharing that with our audience and for sharing that golden nugget with me. You talk a lot about your wife, uh, talked about your service. Military, it's a family. Um, you mentioned a little bit about that. What's that meant to you? Um, you know, the, the guys around you, your unit, family, your wife. Um, I know it's it, everyone's kind of impacted differently, but you know, from your perspective, like that support and, and and the things that people have done. Oh, I I couldn't do it without them. Um, well, I would, I was, I could, right? I, I could do it, right? I mean, I, I would still fight, um, but having the, just the the outpouring of what has been going on. So on, on social media, you know, well, I'm friends with a lot of guys um, that I met over the years uh, while in the Marine Corps, and, and you, you know, you connect, you, you send a meme here or a text there, but the the last you know, a couple months, just the outpouring of what can we do? What can I do? Um, what do you need? You know, emotionally for the, the, the prayers. Uh, and you know, I'm, I'm like you, I don't, I don't go to church often. Um, I would say I'm, I'm spiritual. Uh, I have faith. Um, but just the, the outpouring of support from these guys, 
Um, and not just that, but them coming to see me, like they're, they're coming from uh, Ohio, California, Florida, like my friends that, you know, we've known each other for years and we haven't seen each other for years, but they're just showing up at the house. Hey, can we stay a night or two? So it's the support system has been phenomenal. Uh, my unit uh, on the days that I go through my chemotherapy, they they started a food train for us. So my wife doesn't have to cook. Um, so it makes it easier on her. And then um, anything I need from them, like if I need special equipment for the house or stuff, they help me find funding or they help get it funded so I can get things um uh, matter of fact, I have a, a, a chemo jacket on that, that holds all the chemotherapy stuff uh, that they help to purchase. So I'm, I'm comfortable with that. So this, it's the small things that they're doing um, that for them, it's so small and, you know, so mundane for them. Like, hey, I'm going to bring you a plate of lasagna. But that's a big impact on the family. Just Just something like that's a big impact on the family. And then our friends down the street um, who come over and, you know, just help out in the yard, help out in the house. Like you know, my buddy just helped me hang a, a TV last week because I was too tired. So it's all the, all the support from the friends and family is phenomenal. And then my wife, whew, I don't, I don't know how she does it. I really don't. I mean, uh, one just to be married to me is hard enough. <laughs> um, uh, but now to be married to me with with you know cancer that that's a whole nother story and she's when i'm in quicksand she's my rock right definitely having her makes it easier it still sucks but having her in my life makes it easier to go through. And I will forever be grateful for her and for all our friends who, who are helping out. Thank you. No one ever does it alone. And uh, I've seen where, you know, you have, Yes, one person is fighting the cancer physically. You know, we talked about the emotion piece before, right? That emotional piece impacts everyone, friends, loved ones, spouse, family. And, and no one should ever fight anything, right? And so it's just so important what you said, you know, about having a supportive spouse. You're not to say, hey, if you're not married, just supportive sibling, friend, whoever that person is, but you can't do it alone. And it is really a testament to how people get through this is their support group. And, you know, whether, like you said, your, your, your friends in the union, friends from around the country, people in the community helping out as little as that may seem like bringing over a tray of lasagna is a small thing, but it goes a long way. Um, I think that's just so powerful because oftentimes, LeBron, we get people that call and I get it. It's human nature. Maybe part of this is social media. It's like, hey, I got to do this great thing for this person who I know is battling cancer. Just do something really small. <laughs> you know, like being part of that food train, 
is it, you know, allows you and your wife to, you know, allows your wife probably not to stress about what's making for dinner and you guys to spend quality time together, you know? And, and so that is priceless. So it's not this like exorbitant big thing. It's just, you know, a small kind gesture that can go so, so far. Um, so oftentimes I think people call into us saying, Hey, like my neighbor's been diagnosed or loved one. He's like, what's the best thing you can do? You just said it it's easy, small little things, man, that make a, a big difference in people who are battling their lives and their yeah. families' lives. I got one question left for you here. Um, given your experience, what you've gone through, the time you've been through it, there's no right or wrong answer to this. How do you define pancreatic cancer? What's your definition of it? Uh, it's a silent monster. Um, it kind of reminds me <laughs> being a kid again and uh, trying to go to sleep, but being scared of the monster under the bed. And you got to have somebody come check for it. And that was my dad. And he still does it. He calls me every day and asks me how I'm doing. Um, but I equate pancreatic cancer to that silent monster under the bed. Like, you'll never know it's there unless you check. And, you know, as a kid, my dad always checked for me. But now that I'm an adult, and you have to go through these things. It's through the medical professionals. So they're the guys now looking under the bed to find the monsters. Um, and we found one. And now it's time to turn on a light and uh, power through and fight through the darkness and uh, fight back. But, uh, yeah, pancreatic cancer to me is that that that's silent monster silent monster under the bed. LeBron, if someone listening to the podcast wants to connect, uh, I know you mentioned social media, Instagram, maybe they're a veteran, you know, maybe they're going through a similar experience, maybe someone not a veteran, again, similar experience, they want to connect, follow your story, maybe someone listening just wants to follow and stay inspired. Where's the best place for them to do that? Uh, so they can get me on Instagram at LeBron.Manning. Uh, it's L-E-B-R-O-N dot M-A-N-N-I-N-G uh, or on Facebook at LeBron Manning. Uh, those are the only two social platforms that I have right now. Um, I have some initial videos already posted um, over my diagnosis and stuff. Um, so, yeah, it, it, anytime anyone wants to reach out, uh, those are two platforms they can find me on. Uh, that's how I found you guys. Um, so more than happy to to be available to anybody who's going through this or anything else that they need assistance with to try and find you know anything we can do for anybody lebron uh as i said before man uh pretty special honor for me here to, to have you on the podcast uh given what you've sacrificed for this country thank you for all that and uh Thank you for having the courage, first of all, to coming out. And I, I know this is not easy. Um, 
you know, guests that we interview don't have to come on the podcast. Like, man, you can just fight this thing on your own and, and, and not have to come on the podcast, get emotional, which I know is not easy. Um, and, and, you know, people typically don't talk about the bad times in their life. And this is not something that you go to a cocktail party and be like, hey, man, I just got diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Right. Um, so I, I just want to thank you for 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 doing that. And then also for being so vocal on social. And, and you know, this is, as I've said, um, we got to shake the trees, man. You know, it's great that Congress you know, put the PACT Act together, man, we need Congress to give us like another, I was going to say a billion, but let's not be greedy, like 500 million. Because as you and I were saying, you know, as we record this, there's a lot of positive stuff happening in the science world. There's just not enough. And so we need more money. We need to amplify, shake trees, get people motivated, get them involved in this space. Uh, because guys like yourself who have, uh, sacrificed a lot to provide what we all have deserve better, um, first and foremost, but also everyone battling pancreatic cancer should have that opportunity to be able to fight and to beat this thing. Yes, so, sir. Thank you for all you do. Thank you for being a guest on the podcast. The honor has been mine. Thank you for the invite. I really appreciate it. That's a wrap of another episode of the Project Purple Podcast. If you like what you hear today, feel free to share this episode. Make sure to follow us wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on YouTube. Until next time, please be safe. That's a wrap of another episode of the Project Purple Podcast.